All right, well, hello and welcome to Jubilee, everyone. It is great to see the friends and family in this room, all of your smiling faces, uh, as well as for those of you who are joining us online live listening, we're glad that you're joining us for this holiday Labor Day weekend, right? We've got some hot temperatures right now, but in Colorado, I hear we're going to dip down to some snow, right? I know, it shouldn't affect your mood, but I'm in a good mood today because I like it's hot and spicy out, right? So hey, for those of you who don't know me, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Rebecca Murley, and uh, my husband Jonathan and I, we are the missions pastors here at the church, as well as I serve as your prayer pastor. And uh, fun fact about me and Jubilee, uh, I have known Pastor John, he has been my pastor for nearly 25 years now. Wow, I know, it's great. Miracles happen. We don't age one day, right? <laughs> um, and so before I go any further, I just want to stop and just take a moment to say thank you to my pastor, to Pastor John. You guys, we have an incredible, incredible pastor who leads us. John and Chris are phenomenal. Yes, applause. They are amazing. So Pastor John, thank you so much for entrusting me with this opportunity to share a message that I believe God has for such a time as this, that it is for your benefit, it's for your spiritual equipping and encouragement for today. Amen? All right. So we are closing out our series this weekend titled Non-Negotiables. And I love the title because of what the term actually means, okay? So for something to be non-negotiable, that means it is not open for negotiation, right? It's firmly fixed, it's established, it's unwavering, it's not open to compromise or change. And so all of the messages that this amazing teaching team has done have been to gear you up in your spiritual walk so you can take things from them and then apply them to build a firm spiritual foundation upon. So for today, for the final message, we are going to be talking about the non-negotiables of spiritual warfare. Are you ready? Okay, because fasten your seatbelts. I go fast and furious. We're going to dive deep, okay? All right. So now, first thing I want to establish up front is that you and I, we are engaged in spiritual warfare whether we know it or not. Okay, now what do I mean by that? Now, most people go throughout their daily lives and they go throughout their business and their routine in this natural physical world completely unaware that there is a spiritual realm, right? And so they, they look at things on the surface level. Even believers, mind you, can be totally unaware that behind the scenes, there are spiritual battles taking place daily over your life. And it's a battle in the believer for the heart and the mind. As well as there are battles taking place for those who have not yet come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, right? It's in fact why we are so passionate and believe in missions here at Jubilee, that every person should have the opportunity to hear the good news. So there are battles taking place behind the scenes. And what I want to draw to our attention here is, is there is a spiritual realm. Now, I grew up uh, going to different denominations, okay? As my mom grew in her walk with the Lord, I was toted along to church. How many kids are in the room, right? You might be the ones you were toted along to church. 
And I can remember being a part of churches where you had the teaching of, well, you know, demonic activity and spiritual warfare, uh, that stuff only happened when Jesus and his disciples were here on the earth. It was for then and not for now. Or I grew up in a denomination further along that said, well, we recognize that there's spiritual warfare uh, and there is demonic activity that happens. But, you know, that only happens over in those third world countries, you know, like Asia and Africa, where you crazy people go take those mission trips. I know why you guys say, no, I don't think I'm called to go there. Right? I'll get you one of these days, right? So here's the reality. There is a spiritual realm and we are engaged in spiritual warfare, whether we know it or not. Let me give you another example. So I've known Pastor John for nearly 25 years now. That's because in 1996, he married my awesome husband and I. And um, so how many of you guys know when you've been married nearly 24 years, I won't push it to 25 yet, but when you've been married that long, you just might experience a little bit of conflict. Okay, you don't have to answer that question. I will answer it. We have experienced some type of conflict. Now, if the conflict is over, Jonathan leaving the toilet seat up again, that is not spiritual warfare conflict. That's just me getting irked in the natural physical realm. And by the way, I grew up with three older brothers, so I gave up that battle a long time ago. Yeah, that wasn't worth the fight. But there have been seasons in our marriage where conflict has arisen, and we've noticed it's of a different nature. For example, uh, a spirit of strife. How many of you guys know there's a spirit of strife? And when that enters in to you and another person in your relationship, its primary mission is to divide. So how do you know it's a spirit of strife? Because when you try to fight it in the natural, you just keep fighting it and it explodes in front of you. You're like, this is not working. And so more often than not, in our marriage, we've learned to say, hey, listen, you're not my enemy and I'm not yours, but we recognize that we do have an enemy. So if we were to adopt this mindset that there is a spiritual realm that I believe the way in which we respond to things, to people, to circumstances, to situations would very much change in that aspect, right? Our response would then be different coming from the wisdom and knowledge that this isn't a physical issue, it's a spiritual issue, right? Okay, well, I wanna read a scripture to us. We're probably all familiar with this passage, but it's about putting on the armor of God. So let's read in Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 13. Paul is writing to the believer and he says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil where? In the heavenly realms. So folks, the Bible clearly spells that out for us. We are in a spiritual war. And in order for you and I to understand deeper about spiritual warfare, we must first recognize that. Now, 
The Bible tells us that this war is being fought between two kingdoms, right? You have the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light. Also, the Bible says it's the kingdom of heaven. And then you have Satan in his kingdom and it's the kingdom of darkness, right? It's been going on before you and I ever showed up on the scene. And the Bible tells us that these two kingdoms are in direct opposition to one another. They're not equal to one another. They're in opposition, what they stand for. Amen? All right. So what do these two kingdoms then represent? Now, you could do a whole series on the kingdom of God, which would be awesome because there's a lot to it. But in a nutshell, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says this. God's kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, okay? Satan's kingdom, in a nutshell, represents this, rebellion, chaos, and confusion. It originates from a spirit of antichrist or anti-Messiah. Now, let me ask you this. Can you see these kingdoms in the natural physical realm with your natural eye? Probably not. Some of us might have seen angels. Some of us might have seen the demonic realm, but on the average every day, we're not walking out and going, okay, that building, that block right there is a firm physical location. But let me ask you this. Just because you have not seen God with your natural eye, Does that prove that he does not exist or that he's not real? Well, the Bible says that God is spirit and his worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. The word of God also tells us that just the fact that Rebecca Murley and you are standing here on earth, living and breathing, we are God's creation That points to the evidence that there is a creator. I love it. The fact that I'm breathing air right now points in the face of the enemy that God's kingdom is here. Amen. Amen. What about your personal testimony? What about the wonder working power and saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? That right there, my friends, is full of power and authority. Don't ever discount your personal testimony. That points to proof and evidence that God is real. And if he can do something in my life, he can do it in yours. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, so just because we have not seen these kingdoms in the natural physical realm does not mean that they don't exist. Well, what about Satan? Let's talk about him for a minute. The Bible says that all authority comes from God, okay? Satan has limited authority. Genesis chapter one goes back and tells tells us that God is the author. He is the creator of the entire universe. That means that Satan was a created being. And when he was created, his name was Lucifer. He was an angel, right? And he rebelled and fell from the kingdom of God. So Satan has limited authority. He is not God's equal, right? He is under our feet. Jesus referred to Satan and John as the ruler of this world. He said that uh, he is the father of lies and that there is no truth in him. He is a murderer. 
Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air, right? He says that he is the God of this dark world in 2 Corinthians. And he also says that he is an angel of light. That means he masquerades. He looks like he stands for righteousness, peace, and joy, and yet he's masquerading. He's not giving you the full truth of what's really behind his agenda. Amen? He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Therefore, how then do you know that Satan is real and that his kingdom exists here on earth? Well, I want to share a personal story with you. Is that all right? Fasten your seatbelts because this is going to go very deep, very quick. My husband and I, uh, we were students at Oral Roberts University. And uh, I had a leadership position there as a floor chaplain. I was a spiritual chaplain, which meant that all the girls that lived on my floor came to my room for Bible study and prayer once a week. And so um, one of the perks of that was that I did not have a roommate I was like, yes, Jesus, this is awesome. (laughs) Hey, it's great when you're in college, you don't have a roommate, that's a perk. So one night I go to bed as routinely as I did and about three o'clock in the morning, I woke up to the realization that I was not the only person in my room. I woke up to the reality that there was a dark, hooded figure standing right at the edge of my bed. And my bed happened to be pressed up against a wall. So I was pinned in, if you will. Every single sense in my body was heightened in that moment. Fear paralyzed me. My eyeballs were bulging out of my head like, look, don't look, look, don't look. I saw, I knew what I saw in the spiritual realm. It was standing there to intimidate me. My heart was racing. And how many of you guys know when you encounter the God of this dark world, that's not the moment to stop and go, geez, what do I do here? What was that Bible verse again on spiritual warfare? (laughs) You know, Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white. Nope, not that one. You know, you're sitting there like, whoa. Thank goodness I had a mama who raised me right. Meaning, she taught me about the authority of the name of Jesus. And she told us kids, hey, if you ever get into trouble, your first go-to isn't to call your mama, because I don't know if I'll pick up an answer, but you call on the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what you pray over yourself. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna do what mama said, and I'm gonna pray the name of Jesus right now. Well, before I could even get those words Out of my mouth, I'm laying there frozen with fear. The hands of this figure came up. One of them put its hand on my neck and the other hand went over my mouth. So now what do you do? Well, in my flesh, my flesh began to react even more intensely And in that moment, I remember thinking the thoughts, God, 
I know you're with me. You never fail me. And I was trying so hard in my fleshly thoughts to think things about God. And then all of a sudden, my spirit man woke up. And my spirit man rose up inside of me, that same spirit that Jesus Christ bought a dearly, dearly price with you and I for with his blood. The Holy Spirit rose up in me and began to pray and intercede on my behalf. My thoughts began to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and I began to pray things like, in the name of Jesus, you are under my feet. Devil, get off of me. You have no authority over me. Get out of my room. You're not welcome here. And in that moment, that thing left my room and I shot out of bed and I turned on every light in my dorm room. I was like, woo, I'm awake. I'm woke. 6 a.m., I get a phone call and it's my mom. She lived in a different time zone. She said, honey, what was going on about six o'clock or excuse me, three o'clock in the morning, your time? I said, why? She said, because the Holy Spirit woke me up, said, put on your spiritual armor and go run to the battlefield. Fight for your daughter. That's the power of intercessory prayer. God is awakening and calling his people right now to pray and intercede, to put on your spiritual armor and to run to the battle lines and say, not on my watch, Satan. I got dressed for the day. My mom had prayed peace over me and I felt pretty confident to go on my way, not really knowing why that happened. And yet I was about ready to go out of my dorm room and I got a knock at the door and it was a girl who lived right next door to me. She happened to be my direct report. And so she was above me. She was the spiritual pastor for the entire dormitory. She said, Rebecca, I'm so glad I caught you before you went off to class. She said, I need you to do something. I said, what's that? She said, you need to clear your schedule for this evening. She said, we have an emergency meeting tonight. I said, why, what's going on? She said, well, funny thing is, uh, we were on the seventh floor. She said, the RA on the sixth floor, I've been up with her all night. She said, the dorm room that happens to be directly below yours, the students living in that room, the RA woke her up and said, go check on those girls. She went into that room, opened the door and found that they were doing Satan worship at an altar they had built. They were doing occult worship. They had been hiding it for weeks now that during room checks, they would kind of put it away and pretend to be kind of a different thing. And yet in the wee hours of the morning, they were pulling this altar out and doing spells and incantations and many other things that have to do with the occult and spiritual realm. So she said, we're gonna pray. Get your Bible, get your anointing oil and show up. I said, I'm there. <laughs> That's not happening again to me. Why do I share with you that story? 
Why is it important to talk about the kingdom right now of God and the kingdom of Satan? Because both of them are very real. There is a spiritual realm and make no mistake, I believe right now that I could have responded in one of two ways. When I encountered that dark presence in my room, I could have responded out of my flesh, which would have gotten me nowhere. I I couldn't physically punch, hit, kick, do anything. But responding out of my spirit, man, was so key. Because you cannot fight what's in the flesh, right? You can't fight that in the flesh. You have to fight it in the spirit. Spirit fights spirit. So we have weapons of our warfare to fight with. You and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And I believe the Lord is saying it is time for the spirit to rise up and to wake up and to be aware, to be alert, to be sober minded to the things that are going on around us. We are not unequipped to fight spiritual battles, folks. I want to read to you a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this. God is calling his people to attention and to be sober-minded. And this is the message translation. It says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. That does not mean that you're physically sleeping. It means that you are spiritually unaware and unawake to the things of God. Keep your guard up. That means keep your spiritual armor on. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It is the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. Here's what I love. This is the KO. This is the one-two punch. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Most of you have probably sensed an uptick in anger, in chaos, in confusion. When you step outside your home and you go to work or you take your kids to school or you look at the news, you've probably seen the reality of the kingdom of this dark world. I believe that we don't have to look very far to see evidence of Satan at work. And what I mean by that is God is calling us to attention right now. We're to be sober-minded in these things. Now listen, we can choose to do one of two options here. We can either choose to look at the burning of Bibles, removing of crosses from churches in China, the persecution of Christians that is happening and is on the rise around the world. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. There's literally a genocide happening in the nation of Nigeria right now. In India, Christians are being murdered just because they're going to church. There is an uptick 
in this spiritual warfare happening. And I believe that it's gonna increase. And we have a front row seat to what's being played out in front of us, but we can choose to do one of two things. You can either choose to minimize the reality of it and pretend like this isn't going on or this isn't real or it doesn't exist. Or you can choose to maximize the fear, to be paralyzed and to think, oh my goodness, what do we do? Either way of thinking is dangerous. Church, we have got to be sober-minded right now. We have got to keep a cool head. We need to stay alert. It is our onus to keep a firm grip on the faith. Doesn't say God will keep a firm grip on you. It's no, you choose to firmly grip on a foundation that is unshakable. I believe now more than ever, there is a spiritual battle for the heart and mind of the people of the world, not only this nation, but in the nations around the globe. This is a bigger issue than just what's happening here at home. And God is calling his church, his warriors. You are enlisted into the army of God. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Holy Spirit is the one in this army who gives us discernment, who gives us direction. I want to highlight real briefly two types of worldviews that I believe are very important to understand right now. Every human being, every single one of us has some type of a worldview. In fact, we live in a world where we have so much interconnected, we're so intertwined globally, and we have information coming at us, much of it from conflicting sources and opinions and thoughts that it is screaming for our attention. So my question is, what worldview, what are you filtering your information through? And I want to talk about a biblical worldview and a non-biblical worldview and what those are. A biblical worldview, it's based upon the infallible word of God. That means this is without error. It's inerrant. It's the truth. It's fixed upon the unchanging truth of scripture. It is a secure foundation where everything else is built upon it. When a person adheres to a biblical worldview, their faith is deeply rooted in an unshakable, uncompromising word of God. It's non-negotiable. It brings life. It brings peace, freedom, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. As Christians... When we adhere and fix ourselves to a biblical worldview, it is stating to the powers and rulers of this dark world that I align myself with God in his kingdom. It not only says that, but it speaks that my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions are so tied to this baseline of truth 
that it flies in the face of whatever is happening in this natural physical realm because we bring the kingdom of heaven on earth when we align ourselves with a biblical worldview. So what then is a non-biblical worldview? Well, it's ever-changing and shifting because it is based upon current cultural norms that are in a constant state of flux. People who adhere to this type of worldview live in a state of confusion. They become morally adrift because faith is absent. And the world systems and the people of these world systems are then in rebellion against God. This worldview operates out of the spirit of antichrist. It is not anywhere, shape, or form for God or on his team. All right. You may say, Rebecca, you're getting in my living room and I don't like it. Why are you talking about these two worldviews? Well, I looked at a research study done by Barna Research Group recently, and it said this. Only 17% of Christians who consider their faith important and attend church regularly actually have a biblical worldview. So if Christians are open to non-biblical perspectives, then what are they believing? I wanna address right now a spirit of confusion And just so you know, I have the backing and permission of our pastor. He loves you dearly. He cares for his congregation very dearly. And he has entrusted me with this opportunity to share with you today these words. So many believers find themselves confused today and they don't know why they're confused. They're asking questions. What does God think about what's going on in the world? And they're trying to put their finger on what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is a lie. And they find themselves struggling in their mindset. And as a believer, I want to submit to you that this is a terrible place to live from. To be in confusion and not clear about what God thinks about it, it's frustrating. It's not where we're to live from. If you're a Christian and the non-negotiable word of God is your truth, it is what you build your spiritual life and your foundation upon, yet I don't know if it's been abruptly by an event or perhaps it's just been over time where you then allowed the things of God, the truths of God's word to come into question. You are then in a state of confusion and if you are confused today, I can bring clarity to you because confusion is of the devil and it is of his kingdom. God is a God of clarity, of sound mind. He is a God of peace, folks. 
And if you don't believe me, let's go to the word of God then and read Romans chapter eight, verses five through seven. It says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set. Everybody say mindset. On what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I wanna point this out to you. That word hostile right there, it actually means to be a military enemy. So this fleshly mind cannot even think the thoughts of God. It's unable to think the thoughts of God. Why then is it important, Rebecca, that you're talking about flesh and spirit? Because we cannot fight the things of the spirit in weapons of the flesh. You can't come armed with your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, your opinions to go head to head and toe to toe with a spiritual issue. It will not work. It will feed chaos, it will feed confusion, it will feed rebellion. And I believe this message is important because God is calling your inner spiritual man to wake up. He is calling you to rise up right now and to allow the Holy Spirit to rise out of you and say, God, I may not know what to pray and I may not know what to say, but I'm gonna go to the infallible word of God. Hear me today. When God and his word are no longer first place in your heart and in your soul, you are choosing a carnal mindset, which opens yourself up to the spiritual realm and the devil is waiting there. He's looking for an opportunity to come in and to catch you spiritually unawake. Why? Because he is after your heart in your mind to steal, kill, and destroy from you and to stop the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. <sighs> Again, it's our choice. Choose, make up your mind. What are you gonna filter your information through? This or someone else's thought or opinion or emotion. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that we have weapons to wage war with. For though we live in the world, folks, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Man, that is so awesome. I believe right now, 
there are offensive weapons that we have. And I think that there are three that the Holy Spirit is highlighting for our church and for the church as a whole. The first one is the word of God. This is the most powerful weapon in your spiritual armor that you have. Why? Because it is what Jesus used to respond to the devil with when scripture says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And when Satan came at Jesus and said, look, Jesus, just bow down and worship me. I'll give you everything. I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all this power and authority. And Jesus said, uh-uh, Satan, it is written. The kingdom of God has come. He said, get behind me, Satan. The kingdom of darkness doesn't get first place. The kingdom of darkness doesn't get to advance. Not on my watch. And hopefully not on yours, church. Rise up. Wake up. And you may think, man, she's got a lot of passion. Yes, I'm your prayer pastor. If you wonder if you're being prayed for, you are being prayed for on a weekly basis. The word of God, it says this in Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 through 13. If this doesn't get your blood pumping, then I don't know what will. It says, for the word of God is alive, it is active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wash your mind in the word of God. Renew your mind in scripture and in truth today, church. I believe that we need godly wisdom and spiritual discernment more than ever before. Amen. Prayer. Prayer is the second weapon that we have to fight the enemy with. And I believe there's nothing that drives a person faster to their knees in prayer than a crisis. Ever been there? Last week, Pastor Daniel gave a message about the secret place. And he talked about the importance of running to the secret place, engaging in the secret place with God. And I believe that if you did not hear that message, you need to go back and listen to it. It is a precursor to today's message. We have got to go and meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who refreshes and refills our souls, the one who restores the joy of our salvation, the one who renews hope and joy and peace. Find the secret place, run to the secret place. And if you do not know what to pray, you're like, I'm not a prayer pastor, that's fine. Jesus told us how to pray. He said in Matthew, you pray, thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the last one involves response from you today. Those of you here in this room and those of you listening online, I believe God is highlighting our spiritual offensive weapon of worship. Amen. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. So I want to invite you today to actively participate in some spiritual warfare. It's not a time to be afraid and to run and to hide and go, I don't know what she's talking about. It is a time to stand up and to engage in the kingdom of God coming right here on earth to display His glory, His power, His might, His splendor. What kind of God do you serve? I serve a mighty God who is able to do exceedingly above and beyond what I could ever hope, dream, think, or imagine for myself, for my kids, for my nation. I've invited the worship team to come. Jubilee, God is on the move. He is on the move. And I would suggest that we highly anticipate and expect for God to show his glory in the earth. (laughs) It's time for it. I'm tired of the trash and the garbage. I am ready to see God's glory displayed here in this room and that we would take the kingdom of God out into the world in which we go into so that he gets lifted up. He is high and mighty and lifted up. Would you stand with me in this room as we worship together?